0: I'm excited to hear God's word. I I feel like next week I got a powerful word from the Lord uh, for this season and for this region and for what God is doing, and I'm excited about that. But I don't want you to jump forward. I want you to kind of sit right here with us this morning because you're going to hear a word from Pastor Jordan that's going to challenge you. You're going to hear a word from the Lord from one of the most creative communicators that I've ever heard. And you're going to hear a word from the Lord that's going to build your faith if you lean into Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, would you welcome and honor and receive the gift of God that Pastor Jordan is to your life, to this house, to my life? Would you welcome him and honor him as he comes to deliver God's word this morning? Thanks, guys. That was way too much hype, Pastor Josh. Way too much hype. Speaking of hype, I brought an assistant today because we're going to be, I'll be Josh Allen, you be Stefan Diggs, and we'll just, we're just going to win. That's what we do. No, I really brought an assistant on because it's an old magician's trick to bring someone else on stage to distract from the real magic. this make sense? Anyways, back to reality. Um, so Pastor Josh calls me called me earlier this week to check on what I was going to speak about. He usually calls me most of all to make sure that I'm not going to preach any heresy or do anything stupid, but also to offer practical communicating coaching tips. So I said, Pastor Josh, I don't know. I have two different messages. This is true. I have two different messages because the atmosphere is going to be completely different if the Bills win or if the Bills lose. Also, thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, be super stressed about preaching and super stressed about the Bills yesterday. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed the game, though. (laughs) Anyways, so I said, I have two messages. I don't know what to do. He's like, Jordan, that's ridiculous. I'm like, no, Josh, you don't understand. Things will be totally different. People's attitudes are going to be different. Like, I have to have these two messages ready because it's Buffalo. Like, we're all going to be crying. Have our tissues like they're gonna need an encouraging message. He's like, "That's stupid, George. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, why would you change your message based on circumstances?" So, I still made two messages anyways because I'm stubborn. So, Jake, why don't we have Bills win and Bills lose messages? Why don't you take Bills lose and just throw it away? Woo hoo! The Bills win! Yeah. I was hoping I get to preach this one. The other one's better, but this one is great because the Bills won. Historic moment. Who watched the game? Raise your hand if you watched the game. Raise your hand if you didn't watch the game. What were you doing, Mr. Consiglio? What could possibly be more important? It better. Have been, we'll talk after. It better have been important. Otherwise, counseling, see so you after service test your loyalties. So, uh, the title of my message is The Handbook to Hardship. So, we're going to talk about Paul a little bit. Because Paul had some of the greatest victories in the Bible, right? He wrote a ton of books in the New Testament. He was the most influential speaker. All these churches were listening to him. He was like the apostle, right? He was a big deal. So we're going to take a look at some of the things that Paul went through and how he he responded. Um, but before we do that, we're going to play a game because we always have to play a game when I speak because I like to pretend it's youth group so I don't get nervous. So stand up. We're going to play a game. Everyone has to stand up. The game is called Stay Standing If. So you, we want to see who the last person standing is. We're going to go through some of the hardships that Paul went through and kind of see how our lives have compared. So you have to stay standing as long as possible to win the gift card. All right? So... Paul went through a list in 2 Corinthians 11 of all the trials that he had. He was a little braggy about it, um, but we'll find out why he did that later. Um, so these are, this is the list of things that Paul has been through. So stay standing if you've ever been cold. We live in Buffalo, so all of us have been cold. I wanted to make sure everyone got a win in. Nathan Dispenza has never been cold. That's actually true. He is a furnace. I've seen him... He shovels with his T-shirt on. So that's true. Nathan's out. I'm glad about that because he is my enemy. All right. So Paul said, I have been cold and naked. We didn't want to do the naked part because it's church. But Paul was cold and naked, like literally almost died of hypothermia. So, but compared to Paul, the next one is, stay standing if you've ever gone more than 24 hours without eating. So if you've never gone longer than 24 hours without eating, sit down. we got some fasters in the house. Spiritual, very good. Um, Josh Terhar had to sit down earlier because he has a fast metabolism. I've never known what that's like. So some of you have known what it's like to go without food. It's not very fun. The apostle said, I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. So he's been close to starving a few times. The next one is, stay standing if you've ever pulled an all-nighter at work or school. Like, stayed up all night to get a project done. Stay standing if you've ever done that. All right, so we lost a few more. Paul said, I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. So, similar to Paul. The next one is, stay standing if you've ever had something stolen from you. If you've ever been robbed. Stay standing if you've ever had something stolen Wow, remind me not to leave my wallet around here. <laughs> That's unusual. <laughs> so we, some of us knows what it, know what it's like. Paul said he's been in danger from bandits many times. He's been robbed. All right, this next one, we're not going to take a formal stance on corporal, corporal punishment, but stay standing if you've ever been spanked by your parents. No wonder all of you are such nice people now. <laughs> So if you've ever been spanked, Paul says, I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. That's a lot of times. He says, he's five times, by the way, he's received the the 39 lashes. That's intense. I am not going to say if I received the most spankings in my house, but it wasn't Josh. We'll just say that. Uh, Stay standing if you've ever been on a cruise. A cruise ship. Stay standing if you've ever been on a cruise ship. Oh, we lost a lot more. we got some professional cruisers here. So Paul said he spent a day and night on the open sea. But I don't think it was on a cruise ship. I think it was on a pallet, kind of like Jack and Rose at the end of Titanic. So anyways, we have a few cruisers here. We have a couple more. I think we'll lose a few more this time. Stay standing if you've ever had to move you've ever moved in your life, all right? Still got a few standing. Paul said he constantly had to be on the move because he was in fear of his life. Uh, stay standing. Now, if, you've had a, if you have a brother, you'll probably stay standing for this. Stay standing if you've ever been hit with a bat or a stick. Most of us with brothers know what that's like. Lori was an only child, so she has not been beaten. So what? take care of that after service. Uh, just kidding. All right, S- next one. Oh, yeah, Paul was beaten three times with rods. So we have, how many we have left? Three, four? We're doing good. Stay standing if you've ever been hit with a rock or a stone. Oh, Alexis definitely has brothers. Oh, no, that's Ebony. Oh, Ebony. That's sad. Whoever hit you with stones, I'm going to beat them up. All right, stay standing... We'll probably lose more people. Stay standing if you've ever been in a boat accident. A boat accident. Like, I know Peter Young's been in a boat accident. My father-in-law has been in a few boat accidents. <laughs> uh, all right. Is anyone still standing? All right. So I'm going to go with, we'll give it out to Ebony because that's sad. <laughs> Sorry. So the, the last one, which is the one that I really wanted to see, is stay standing if you've ever spent a night in jail. That would have been a little more exciting. That was the last one. So we've all been through hardships, but we found out that none of us have had the same amount of hardships as the Apostle Paul, which is, which is a blessing because he had, he had an awesome life, but he also had some, some nasty things happen to him. So what we're going to do is, Jake's up here, and we're going to go through the keys, the handbook to hardship. He's going to write down what you need to do when you're in hardships. I have six points, and we're going to go through two stories of some of these things that happened to Paul. We'll just do, look at two of them, because we only have a few minutes left in the service. So, the first story is, Paul and Silas in prison. So the Bible says, Paul and Silas were walking down the street, and... Um, in verse uh, 16, they saw a woman, or sorry, verse 18, it says she kept this up for many days. This lady was just talking and being crazy. And finally, the Bible says it actually uses the word annoyed in the NIV, which is amazing. The Bible says Paul finally became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her, in Jesus' name. And most of the time that I pray for all of you, it's because I'm annoyed So Paul did it. He said, at at that moment, the Spirit left her. Amen? Sounds like an amazing story. A huge victory. The Spirit left her, but something happened. This lady was owned by someone else. She was a slave, and her masters became very angry because she couldn't make any money for them anymore. So they made up this story about, about Paul and Silas, and it turns out they threw Paul and Silas in jail. So the crowd joined in the attack, the mob, against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. In verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet and, uh, in stocks. So these guys were chained to the wall, they were severely beaten, and what did they decide to do? Jake, point number one, the Bible says they decided to pray and sing. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So many of us, the first thing we think of when we're in a hard situation is to pray, right? Right? But many of us don't think to sing and praise God when we're going through hard circumstances. But that's exactly what we need to be doing, right? So the crowd started listening, or the prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas sing. And let's find out what happened. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So this is amazing. Huge victory. But at once the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors were open, and he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because the prisoners had escaped. This is bad news for the prisoner he would or the the prison guard he would have been in huge trouble. Jim Mullen knows what I'm talking about. If all the prisoners got away, he'd be in big trouble. But then Paul shouted, "Don't harm yourself, we're all here." So Paul stayed there he's like, "Wait a second, don't kill yourself. It's okay. I'm still here and verse twenty nine The jailer called for the lights to to come on. He rushed in. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he said, What must I do to be saved? In verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at the hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and his whole household were baptized. Amen? Amen. What if Paul had left that situation? What if he ran away and was like, you know what? I got my victory. I got set free from jail. The story would have been over, right? But this jailer and his whole house were saved. So number two is look for the opportunity. So Jake can write opportunity down there. So many times we miss this, guys. We, get, we have a trial, a victory, and that's it. We don't, for ourselves, and we don't look at where the victory can be for someone else, even in our, even in our own suffering, when I was thinking about this, I thought about uh, Christina and, and I and the kids went on a camping trip to Jellystone. It's like a campground for kids. It's horrible. Don't ever do it. It's crowded. It's nasty. The pool's gross. But with that said, we were—I don't know what we were thinking. Violet was a newborn, maybe like six months old, and we're sleeping in a tent. And like, it's a cramped campground, so the tents are all like right next to each other. And um, it's, like, one in the morning, and this this couple is fighting and screaming at each other. They're having, like, a domestic disturbance, and so I'm like, okay, this needs to stop. So I got up, and I was like, hey, guys, would you mind keeping it down? So they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And Violet's waking up, screaming. Like, it's a horrible idea. Don't camp with a newborn either. Anyways, then the guy gets up at 2 a.m., and he's out there chopping wood at 2 a.m. right next to our tent. And I'm like, okay, now, now I'm really, really angry. But God's like, wait a second, there's an opportunity here. Long story short, I don't want to get into the whole story. But I went there, I ended up, both of them came out. We did marriage counseling. They decided on a plan on how they're going to work it out. And then both of them got saved around the fire. Like, how cool is that, right? Like, I could have got them kicked out of the campground easily. Right. Easily, because they shouldn't have been doing that. Like, they were, some, they were drinking, like the cops would have been called... But what's the opportunity, right? They both got saved and turned their hearts over to Jesus. And I'm not saying that to, to brag on myself, but every single, every single problem is an opportunity, people. We have to realize this. So Paul and Silas, they end up, uh, everything works out. Uh, they get released and um, things are good, but they got that opportunity. So the next, the next thing that happens is one of Paul's shipwrecks. We're going to take a look. At one of those um Acts 27. Paul is in the um, in the Adriatic Sea. He's been arrested. So Paul's arrested again, one of many times, and they're taking him on a ship uh to get tried. And uh Acts twenty-seven verse 10, 10 Paul's like, guys, I've seen this before, I've been through some things, I'm gonna warn you. He says that our our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and our own lives. I don't think we should do this. It's a bad idea. It's winter in the, in the sea. Like, things, it's not good to sail in the wintertime. So, needless to say, things started getting bad. In verse 18, it said, We took such a violent battering from the storm. The next day, they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. Verse 20, it said the sun or star and stars didn't appear for many days and the storm continued raging and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Verse 21, they went a long time without uh, having food. And Paul says, men, you should have taken my advice. And so we don't want to rub it in when we're right about things. Like, I said the Bills were going to win, yeah. Like, don't rub it in. Um when, when, you have a, when you write about something. But here's what, here's what Paul did. He said in 22, I urge you to keep your courage because not, not one of you will be lost or the ship is going to be destroyed. He said, Last night the, an angel of God came to me and said, Do not be afraid. How cool is that? So these guys knew that the soldiers, there was over 200 of them, they, saw, they knew that Paul knew God. Paul comes up and said, Listen, an angel visited me. Don't be afraid. The soldiers were like, Yay! Things are going to be okay. But then, so we got to put uh, number three, don't be afraid or have courage, right? We want to have courage in these situations. Um, cry out to God, don't be afraid. This is all good. We hear this over and over in the Bible when angels visit. Uh, humans, always, first thing they say, don't be afraid. Whenever there's a trial, don't be afraid. It's, it's throughout the Bible. But then Paul says something that might have scared some of the soldiers. He said, Nevertheless, we're going to run aground on some island in verse 26. So now the soldier's like, Wait a second, you just said we're going to be okay. But he's like, But we're probably going to have to run aground and, and maybe have the ship break up and destroyed. So this is the fourth point, which isn't that fun, but it's be realistic. So many times Christians are like unrealistic about our situations, like, You know, you might need surgery. You're like, no, I'm just going to keep pushing on. But like, dude, if you just get your arm in a cast, it's going to be fine. Like, we need to be realistic about our our situations. Sometimes our our political person that we want in office doesn't get in. We got to be realistic. Like, it might happen. It's okay. We have to be realistic. Don't be stupid and go down with the ship like Jack did at the end of Titanic if he didn't have to. There was plenty of room for Jack and Rose on the pallet. But Jack's like, Rose, I love you. I'm going to die. He didn't have to die. Be realistic. Stay on. Keep fighting. And here's here's the big one, too. So Paul, why did he go through all these things about all the trials that he went through in 2 Corinthians that we looked in earlier? Did he do it to brag? No, of course not. He did it because, number five, you need to share your victory. And so I, I literally wrote these words down, share your victory, and God reminded me instantly that he's like, you don't do this. I'm like, yeah, of course I do. I'm a positive guy. I share things. He's like, no, I, this summer, my back was broken. Peter, Peter Young knows. My back was literally broken. I had a piece of bone that was on my hitting my spine and my sciatica. It, my back was broken. I couldn't sit down. I was in 10 out of 10 pain, the most pain I've been in my whole life. I was on pain medication. Like, I had pretty much given up hope. But when those, those things happen, you remember to pray, right? Like, I prayed hard. I was in deep, deep distress. But I, to this day, I haven't shared that victory here or anywhere or on Facebook or wherever you would share things. I haven't said, right now to this day, I have zero back pain. I feel fantastic. Like, God... God and the doctors and uh, ortho sports, chiropractic, literally healed me, guys. Like, this is huge. I haven't shared it. Why don't we share the things that God has done in our lives? He's healed our marriages before, right? He's brought us out of our sin. I sin all the time. Like, he's he's brought me out of that sin, but we don't share it. He's recovered our finances, right? He's restored our, our homes. He's healed us from abuse. But we don't share it. We just keep that, that victory for ourselves, And that's why Paul went through this list that looks super braggy, but we need to share this stuff. If we don't do it, it's all pointless, guys. We've got to share, share the victory. Let's go down. We're almost out of time, but let's go down to Ephesians 4.14. Actually, let's... Yeah, 4.14. Let's do 13. Until we reach the unity in the faith... And in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then here's where Paul gives a little bit of a Bible burn in verse 14. He said, then we will no longer be infants. He's telling the church in Ephesians, he's like, you guys are being babies. Going to being to and fro with all this this other doctrine, right? It said, the verse says in verse 14, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Like, no matter what happens in this world, deceitful scheming in politics, we know what happens. We get tossed back and forth. He's like, you guys are being infants if you don't understand that we've already attained the full measure of Christ. It's already been done, guys. 1 John 19, 28-30 says, after this, Jesus, knowing all things were accomplished, did He just take care of some of our problems? Did He just cover some of our sins, guys? No. No. All things were accomplished that Scripture might be fulfilled. Later in verse 30, He says, when Jesus received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. There's There's nothing else we have to do. We can pray and sing, but it's finished, guys. That's the, the point is we win, right? The last point in the handbook, to hardship, is we win. If you know that you win in the end, like if I knew the Bills were going to win last night, I wouldn't have bit off all my fingernails. For real. But we know in this story, in the journey of our lives, we know that we win in the end because He wins, guys. Amen. My wife thinks I'm a little insane because... How many of you been on the airplane when there's a little bit of turbulence? And your drink starts spilling a little bit. Like, I'm the weirdo that starts smiling. I love turbulence. And you guys might think I'm crazy, but I think you're crazy if you don't think like this a little bit, because if that plane goes down, where are we going to go? We're going to be at the feet of Jesus in heaven. Also, going down in a plane is a pretty quick way to go, which is kind of sick, but it's an easy way to go. I have super good life insurance. Christine is cute. She'll meet someone else. But seriously, if you believe that God is good, you know He's going to take care of your family. That's right. That's right. If you don't, if these like trials don't excite you, sometimes, like maybe you're not thinking the way that we need to be thinking. That's good. Maybe you don't really know that we win in the end. Are you really believing what Jesus talked about when He said it's finished? That it's all been taken. Yeah. It's done, guys. Let's look at Hebrews nine twenty four. Through twenty-eight, It said Christ did not enter the sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again and again. How many times did God have to save us from our sins? One time. We're the ones who keep having to go back and back and keep messing up, guys. He did it once. The way that the high priest enters the holy place year after year, that's like we do, guys. We keep going back over and over and over again. Oh, God, am I going to make it? Am I going to get through this? That's what we do, guys, but that's not what he does. Christ would have, in verse 26, Christ would have had to suffer many times, the Bible says, if we kept, if we keep acting like that. But he appeared once for all the community accumulation of the ages to do away with sin and the sacrifice of himself how many times did Jesus do it once verse 27 this is huge just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment so Christ sacrificed once to take away the sins of many he's going to come back for a second time guys but he's not going to come back to have to deal with sin again and and how we mess up He's going to come back to bring the salvation to those who are waiting for him. To bring the victory, to bring number six. The victory's coming. We don't have to worry about it. And here's, here's the, the thing. Did Paul ascend peacefully into heaven when he died on a chariot? I think only one, one other person did that. Paul got his head chopped off, most likely. Do you think he was worried about it while he was getting his head chopped off? I don't think so. I mean, maybe he wasn't as crazy as I am, but I think he was because he knew he had the victory. Most of the other disciples, a lot of them were crucified. A lot of them died way worse deaths than Paul did by getting his head chopped off. But Paul was not worried about it, guys, in my opinion. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six: The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. He didn't put some of our problems under his feet. He didn't put some of our sins under his feet. Everything is under his feet. This is the best, this is the best verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-58. If you guys don't get anything out of this message, listen to this one. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then saying it is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Amen? Yes. Our problems has been swallowed in his victory. Yes. 55, oh death, where is your victory? And this is, this is the big part, guys. Oh death, where is your sting? When our, if our country, guys, gets dark and our political views don't happen and we get persecuted as a church, guess what happens? The church grows, guys. All throughout history, the church grows in persecution. The time when the church dies is usually when the government, like Rome did, right? They took over, they took Christianity upon themselves and instituted it as a theology for the country. What happened? The Dark Ages came, right? But when the church is persecuted, guys, the church grows. We know we have the victory. But here's here's the crazy part. This playbook, guys, is the same playbook for hardship as it is for the good times. So we don't really need two two handbooks, guys. In victory, you you pray and sing and you rejoice in victory. In victory, you look for the opportunities, right? When God gives you a bunch of money, you give it away, right, Paul? Courage. You have courage. You're pumped up. You're realistic. You don't think, hey, this victory might not happen forever, but while it is, I'm going to be rejoicing and singing and, and blessing other people. Sharing the victory, it's the same thing. When we have the good times, when the Bills are winning, guys, we share in the victory, right? Number six, either way, in hard times and good times, we know the end, we win. It's time for us to stop being tossed back and forth. Last verse, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Let nothing move you, guys, because God is good. He's on the throne He's already won. He's already bled for our sins. I mess up so much. He's already done it, guys. So I just want to encourage you today. Take this stuff to heart. We don't have to worry about anything. Nothing can happen to us that God is not in control of and is not sovereign over. And Pastor Josh is coming over to, to close the service for us. Let's give it up to the Lord. Let's, let's thank the